Here we go. Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Oh, 
figure it out. But it's good. We're glad that we're here this morning. We're glad that we're able to, to connect like this. Um, it's been a year since the pandemic really shut everything down here in the U.S. Uh, my wife and I were talking about it because this day last year, I was not actually in the country. So while everything was closing down, my whole family, we were in Nicaragua, where there was no pandemic. There was no mention of a pandemic. We could buy as much toilet roll as we wanted to. In fact, I think I brought toilet roll back home with me and my luggage because people were saying, hey, bring, bring back toilet roll because you can't get any. Um, and so just a complete different transition. When we landed back here from our mission trip and, uh, and went from a, an open uh, society, talking to people, hanging out with people, to now we were locked up in our homes for at least two weeks. And just such a transition, such a, a change uh, to do that. But then we've just gone through this past year where, you know, churches were closed and we couldn't meet together. And now with the vaccine and everything coming, we're now at a point where we are getting ready to start to welcome one another and to gather together and worship. Now for us here in Bowie City Church and First Christian Church, we are going to, to have our first Sunday gathering together. Mark your calendars, check the date on the 28th. Okay, the 28th is Palm Sunday. And uh, as we celebrate Easter, we celebrate Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem. We're going to do that together. Now, if, if you are not comfortable with coming to church and being in a gathering, we are still going to broadcast live. Okay, so we're going to work it all out. We're going to have some gremlins, we know. Um, but we're going we're gonna to get there. Um, but we want you to be able to come in person on the 28th and also to be able to connect with us as you're doing right now from home. Later on uh, this morning, uh, you'll see a, a little link to a, a survey will appear in the chat boxes of either YouTube or Facebook, uh, or in fact, both of them. If you haven't seen that, if you haven't uh, registered with us, please click on that. Uh, answer, there's only a few questions in there because we, we need to know how many people intend to come because we've got to set things up so that you'll be socially distanced, so there'll be spacing um, and we need to want to be able to assign families to individual rows and pews. All right. Now, I know that we like to come in and just kind of see our friends and sit where we want. But just for this next few months, um, we're probably going to be pretty strict on, OK, if you're sitting here, this is where you're going to sit every Sunday. Um, because we just we just need to be able to, to have space uh, for visitors and guests to come, but also to have space where everybody can be safe. And so I know it's a little bit restrictive, but please just work with us on this. Uh, we want to have gatherings together. We want to have worship together, but we need to do it as safely as we can do it. So that's kind of where we are. A few announcements. I'll talk a little bit more at the end of, of service today um, when we get that, that link posted in there. But I'm excited about today. We are in week two of our series entitled Jesus Is, and, uh, and Shep is coming to speak to us this morning. Uh, Chandelier Shepherd, you, you heard him a few weeks uh, ago. And if you're thinking, which one was that? Bright green sweatshirt. Oh, got a bright, the bright, bright green sweatshirt. Um, you're like, oh yeah, bright green sweatshirt guy. I remember him. Uh, <laughs> the chef's coming. He's going to, he's going to uh, speak to us this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into the bumper for uh, our uh, uh, our message this morning. And then chef's going to come and take over, and hopefully we'll get the audio worked out so we'll be able to hear him uh, on his radio mic. If not, we'll plug him in like this, and we'll just keep on going. So let's pray together. Father, just thank you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship, Lord. And, and God, I pray, thank you, Lord, that, that you've made it a way for us to be able to come together really in person to worship. But God, we want to do that safely. We want to do that carefully, Lord. And so, Father, we just are excited about that day. We're excited about what um, that opportunity, God, just to come to church uh, on a Sunday morning to be with God's people. And Father, even though we're, we're with you this morning, God, we're still separated by distance. So Father, I pray, Lord, that this morning that you would speak through Shep, God, that you would speak, Lord, through the technology into our hearts this morning, Lord. Father, that we can, we can see you in a new light today. God, that we can know that you are Lord. So Father, continue just to, to be with us, continue to meet with us, God. Uh, Father, we just give everything over to you now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. He walked right next to us, but we couldn't see him. Can you believe it? He was actually the one that we were looking for and hoping for, but we couldn't see him. 
We thought he came to redeem us from Rome, but we were so wrong. He didn't meet our expectations because our expectations were too small. We could not see him because our hurt, because of our pain, had blinded us. The doubt, the disappointment, the discouragement was too much for us to bear. But the one walking with us began to help us see. He opened the scriptures and taught us and revealed that he was the one who bought us. We invited the stranger into our home and our hearts began to burn within. He took bread and blessed it. We were blessed because finally we could see the resurrected blessed one. He's the one that rose from the dead. And right in that moment, even though he disappeared from our sight, we could finally see him more clearly. Bowie City Church. Good to go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Good to go. Man, this morning, let me tell you, something's coming out today. That's all I can say. I don't know what it's going to be, but, uh, you know, we had a clock confusion in my house. If you, other people may have felt that today. Uh, they kind of sprang forward on us today. The stove didn't register at the same time, so we were like, oh, it's 7 o'clock. And it's like, no, it's 8. Um, and it just, it's just been one of those mornings. And then I come here, and then the sound isn't working. I'm telling you, something's coming out today. So be ready uh, for that. So just sit and, and soak it in. Okay, this message, again, is something that's a, it's a more emotional message for me. Um, I don't, if you've ever spoken before, or I know those of you who have given a message of any kind, when you see yourself in the message you're preaching, it just floors you. Um, and that's one of these messages um, today. So before I do anything, let's pray really quick, um, and we will get into the message this morning. All right? Lord, we thank you for today. Uh, we thank you that you are a just God, that you are the same, uh, that we don't have to worry about you malfunctioning. And that is great, and you're always on time. You're always there. You're always for us, Lord. Um, and we can uh, just rest in that today. May we rest in that um, and praying that you open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you have to say to us today. May you move me out of the way, and instead, may you speak here today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're picking up again in the series, Jesus Is, and today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is misunderstood, okay? Jesus is misunderstood. So I, I started to think this week about who currently is one of the most misunderstood people um, in the world right now, right? And I was like, hmm, and God gave me this one. So, I, and I had this, and I, and I figured I would, I would do this, but... If you know, I'm going to put it in the front. I'm going to show it up here. If you know whose jersey this is, you understand why I say this person is misunderstood. This is a controversial jersey here, okay? And if you don't know who this is, maybe if I turn it around and you read the letters on the back, you'll understand why, okay? So just to, just to amp it up a little bit, I'm going to wear this today. I'm going to throw this on over top of my shirt, um, and I'm going to wear this today and symbolize, to symbolize this. Probably will. I'm going to wear it. Why am I going to wear this? Because, and this is how I know this is, he's misunderstood, because either you agree with me or you suck the teeth. One of the two. There is no in-between. Right? People say either I hate this guy or I love this guy. One of the two. But today we're going to talk a little bit more and deeper. This is just a, a symbolism. Of course, Colin Kaepernick is not Jesus, and he's nowhere near Jesus. He's, but this is an example. So you understand right where I'm at. What I'm talking about. There are two sides of this thing. Okay. So today we're really going to focus on the fact of Jesus being misunderstood, but we're going to look at it through the lens of a person in Scripture who encountered Jesus a couple times. Her name was Martha. So we're going to look at how Jesus is misunderstood through the eyes of Martha. And I'm hoping that in that you are able to see some of yourself in this as well. Okay. So the first scripture we're going to look at is Luke 15. 25 through 32. Okay, this is uh, the parable that Jesus tells. A lot of times we like to call it the prodigal son, but honestly, it is the parable of the two sons. Because there are two sons involved here. We like to focus on the one that left, but there are two sons here. 
that are talked about in this story. So we're going to pick up in um, Luke 15 here, and we're going to read just a little bit of the, the prodigal son story, okay? We're going to go towards the end where it says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to his son, he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and to be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So I focus on that portion because that brother's response is also Martha's response. But in that, that is ours as well. Sometimes. If you're an older sibling, um, I'm the younger sibling, so this, I don't, you know, and I still did this. You, you like to say, when is it my turn? When am I going to be able to do these things? How come they get to do this? How many times in prayer have you been there where you feel like you've done everything you're supposed to do, but yet somebody else got what you wanted or God didn't answer your prayer right on time and you go to him and say, when is it my turn? When am I going to get an opportunity to do this? How come you never did this for me? How come you never blessed me? How come you never gave me that promotion? I've been praying for it. How come you never healed this person? Why? When will it be my turn? David kind of experienced this a little bit in Psalm 73. He begins to look at everybody else around him and he calls out to God and says, how come the wicked prosper? How come they are successful when I'm doing everything you ask me to do? But see, David had a very pivotal moment in that scripture. It says that he went into the sanctuary. He went, he went in with God. He met God. And when he did, his focus came back on the one true God. When our focus isn't God, we begin to look elsewhere. But it causes us to lose focus on who he is and what he's come to do and who we're called to be. All right. Continuing. We're going to go to Luke 10. Verses 38 through 42. And it reads this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Martha has chosen a good por- Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's try to try to understand why she responded this way. Right. Jesus traveled. You, we, we know 12 disciples. Those are the ones that were named. At one point, he sends out 70. In the upper room, I believe there were 120. <laughs> so think about anywhere from 70 to 120 people coming to your house to eat. And your husband or your kids are all just sitting on the floor listening to somebody tell a story. And you are cooking, cleaning, preparing, filling requests for 70 to 120 people. Whoa. Serving four people is a lot. Serving two people is a lot. But having a house full of people to serve by yourself, wow. Why and why this response? Why is she so triggered? Why does her immediate just go to tell my sister to help me? Well, if we're going to look into that, okay? So I had to do a little research on this. And these things, and we're going to go a little bit into Martha's life really quick, okay? And it's going to all come together so beautifully at the end. So stay with me. Stick with me on this, okay? So Martha's life. 
We're going to look at three points of Martha's life. First, she had a brother that was unable to care for herself. Two, she had a sister who was a prodigal. And three, herself. She was dutiful yet resentful, the older sister. Right? We're going to focus on these three things. The first thing, Lazarus. Okay, who we're soon to talk about in John 11, but Lazarus. So I said she had a brother who wasn't able to care for himself. How do we know this? Well, let's ask some questions first. Why is it that in a patriarchal society that is mentioned as Martha's house? If you don't know what that means, is at that time, men were the dominant force and figure in, in, in the world. So it's very uncommon for it to say Martha's house. Why is it not Lazarus's? Why do we never hear Lazarus speak? He's mentioned a couple times in Scripture. He's one that Jesus loves. Why is it that we don't ever hear him vocalize or say anything? So diving into that to find an answer to that question, Lazarus's sickness in Scripture, the Greek word for that is asthenes, A-S-T-H-E-N-E-S. What does that mean? It means affirmity arising from the weakness of the mind. Meaning he was sick, but not just sick. It's most likely that Lazarus had a mental disability. He wasn't able to care for himself. That changes things a little bit. Sick doesn't just cut it, it's a little more than that. And also know that she didn't have parents either. The parents weren't there. Second point, she had a sister who was a prodigal. Mary left home. She left. She was gone. She did her own thing, right? We know that she had seven demons. We don't know where from, but it was believed that she was a prostitute. So you get this picture of no parents, uh, an older sister who's taking care of a mentally handicapped brother, Sister leaves home to leave her by herself. Now she's home. She stayed. She took care of Lazarus day in and day out while her sister left. She did all of the work. She did every last thing. Can you imagine what that's like to just give and give and give and give and give your entire life devoted to one thing? You're the faithful one. You stayed home. You didn't go run out and do things. You, all, you were always where you needed to be. Every single moment, every single day, you did what you were supposed to do. Now let's revisit that statement to Jesus. Tell my sister to help me. Why? Because she's been there serving and helping and taking care of her brother and everybody else her entire life. She's been there doing those things over and over and over again. I know what it feels like to be to have two girls, my wife is gone, and I got to do everything. It's a little overwhelming. That's only that's not even 24 hours. And one of them can't even talk yet. She just cries, which sometimes can be probably worse. But that's what she does. And I'm like, "Okay, Heaven's home. Here you go. Help me. But this is every single day Martha's doing this. Every single day. Let's go to John 11. Let's go to our main scripture for today is John 11. Where we see the death of Lazarus. In the beginning here. Lazarus is sick. And they sinned. Uh, Some kind of message to Jesus saying, hey, the one you love is sick. And Jesus says, we'll wait two more. We'll we'll wait a couple more days. He's sick. Come help. We'll wait. That's not a typical response, but we'll continue. That's why, again, Jesus is misunderstood. So he says he stayed two days longer where he was. And then he also, a couple couple, verses back, Jesus almost gets stoned in the same place he's going back to. And the disciples don't even care about Lazarus, per se. They say, you almost died here not too long ago, and you want to go back. 
He's already done two things that are a little confusing. Somebody's dying. We'll wait two days. And then we're going to go back to the place where I almost died. Continuing on. We're going to keep going all the way down. He keeps doing that. He keeps going. He eventually makes it. They eventually journey down and they make it to Bethany. And then we see Martha again. So verse 17 says this. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Now it just, it all makes sense. Here comes the dutiful older sister out to meet Jesus, not with a kiss or fall to the feet, but with a reprimand. She says, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But notice how even in that, she tries to mask it with this morality. She tries to say, she comes at him and says, you should have been here. But I know he's I know you're Christ and I know, you know, he's going to rise one day and, and all these things. So it's because of, you know, just routine out of routine. She says these things. Because she doesn't even understand when he says. Your brother will rise again. I know that he'll rise again, Lord. I mean, yeah, everybody's going to rise again in heaven one day. He's going to be with you there. We know how that works. We know that you're Christ, yes. But see, the difference in the response is Mary comes out a little bit different. Hers is that she's not met with that same. She says the same thing, but it's a different tone and different way that she came out. If you keep on going through this scripture, well, also, let me not skip over this. Like I said, Mary came. She saw him. She fell at his feet. It's a difference. Walking out and saying, Jesus, you should have been here. Or my brother wouldn't have died. But I know you're God, and I know you get anything you ask for and all that good stuff. Mary comes out, first thing she does, and fell to her feet saying, it's a difference. Falling at the feet. Saying, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid them? They said to the Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved them. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man also kept this man from dying? Then Jesus was deeply moved again and came to the tomb. I'm going to stop there. This is why Jesus was troubled at this. Because he's standing there telling this woman whose sister, whose brother seems to be dead, I am the resurrection and the life. Mary comes out and she's falling at his feet, crying and saying that if you, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And he's like, you're looking at the one who holds death and life. You're looking at the resurrection and the life. You're looking at him. It's me. Martha says, I know you're Christ and I know you're this. But we get into that same mode where we just say, I know you're God. I know you're Jesus. I know you're this. But we, we forget to fall at his feet and realize he is the one who holds it all. He's the resurrection. He is the life. 
It's like we pray for things and don't just say, well, I know you can answer it, but I mean, I don't know if you're really going to do it. I know you're capable of doing this, but it doesn't look likely. And it troubled him. And he wept. When I was a kid, and I still, I'm not even going to pin it like I was a child. I still do this. When I'm trying to communicate something to someone and they don't understand what I'm saying and I care about them or they're missing my message, I cry. Now, of course, I did it a lot more when I was a kid, but I still do. If I'm trying to explain something to somebody and they don't get what I'm saying and it's something that's life changing. I cry. Because it's like you got to I don't know how else to respond. I don't know what else to do. So I feel the burden of what I'm trying to tell you, but I also feel the burden of you because you're not hearing what I'm trying to say. I'm not talking about, you know, small stuff. I'm talking like the gospel. And that that is, again, Jesus is moved at this. He's like, I'm here. But you're still he's crying with them because he's like, I am here. But yet you're crying as though I'm not. I'm trying to tell you that I am it. That I hold both of those things in my hands like he is he is sleeping. And then Jesus goes down to say in verse 40. Well, he asked, well, let me not skip that again. Thirty nine. He asked to take away the stone. Here comes Martha again. I'm telling you, Lord, he stinks. He put us through enough. He, you, we told you he was coming. He's been in there for four days. The smell is going to be bad. And, and this is what Jesus said. Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? He's like, did I not? I just told you. Did I not tell you if you believe? He just told her that. You will see the glory of God. And the rest of the scripture, he tells Lazarus to come out. Lazarus comes out in his grave clothes. And they unwrap Lazarus. Main point here today is this. Could Jesus be misunderstood because we tend to have hearts like Martha? Could Jesus be misunderstood because we tend to have hearts like Martha? What does that mean? That means are we the ones who are so dutifully bound to this Christianity thing that we've gotten such a hold on that we fail to realize the Savior when he's in front of our face. That we, we don't fall to our feet anymore. We run out to tell him what he hasn't done or what he hasn't, what he can't do or what we, our expectations haven't been met yet. You see, it's not about us. It's about that moment when he does cross our face. When we do get a glimpse of him, what is your response? Are you lining up to tell him, I haven't studied my Bible every day. I haven't missed the church in this long. Even during the pandemic, I've been watching. I pray every morning. I listen to worship on the way on the way to school, on the way back. Are you showing him how dutifully bound you were to this Christianity thing? Are you falling at his feet and wiping his feet with your hair? Which one? That is why we misunderstand him. It's because we're looking for something that he's not. We're looking for him to be pleased with our our offerings of duty. But all he wants is surrender to who he is. He wants you to let go of all of those things that you are for his sake. A lot of times when we say we hear Luke 9, 23, when Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. We think deny ourselves mean let's get rid of the sin. So if I'm not sinning, I'm all right. No. He's talking about your moral, just this moralness you have to want to just be the perfect believer. I've encountered this so many times and I'm not want to talk about I'm not trying to talk about anybody to be disrespectful. But I've encountered so many times as a young man 
who does occasionally get an opportunity to do a message. I'll meet someone who's been doing this a lot longer than me, and they'll tell me, first, first thing they'll tell me, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been saved longer than you've been alive. And I'm like, okay. You know, I don't know what to say, but I have a feeling that that's how we will come to Jesus too. You know, I've been doing this thing for, with you for a while now. And he's like, it doesn't matter. It's about the heart. It's about who you see me as every single day. Jesus is misunderstood because we think he wants our dutiful obedience like the rich young ruler. What must I, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what does it say? He says, I've done all those things since, since birth. I've done it all. But Jesus asked him to do one thing, surrender. And he said, not for me. See, people say, well, why would Jesus ask him to give up his money? What's wrong with his money? There's nothing wrong with money. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. He's saying, you've done all these things in my name, but you won't give it up for me. We need to look at the Savior as that, the Savior. Not someone who is clapping every time we open our Bible. Because that would throw our theory all the way off of this Christianity thing and this being saved thing. If it was about how well and how long I've been doing it. The resentment in our heart because, man, this person just, he just did this. Just got, he just got saved and look at all these blood. What? Y'all focus on him, not me. I've been doing, I've been faithful to this church for 30 years, 25 years. Where's mine? This is why Jesus was troubled. This is why people tend to miss him. Because we try so hard to please him with our works and our acts. We try so hard to jump to conclusions and tell him, if you would have just been here. We are more like Martha than we'd care to think. Serving away, doing all the things. I'm serving, I'm serving in God's name, but I'm angry at the people when they ask me for another whatever. I'm preaching on Sundays, but I'm not always, you know, I'm, I'm only that guy on, when I step into this this pulpit here. Jesus tends to be understood not because of anything he does or he says or he is. It's because our hearts and our eyes and the way that we view him because of our sinfulness. So I have a picture uh, of an optical illusion per se. I don't know if Dion put it up there, did he? You got it? Good. I'm going to give you, you know, maybe 30 seconds to look at it. So there are directions on the picture on the screen. You can see it. Um, so just take a look at that for 30 seconds, if you can, and do what it says. And in the chat, since we're on, I can do this on, you know, in the chat. Sounds weird still. Tell me when you got it. Just put got it in the chat when you got it, okay? 30 seconds or so, and just pay attention to that. might be a little less than 30 seconds. You should get it. And if you haven't got it yet, turn your head slightly this way. And when you do, you're able to see that both pictures are pictures of horses. But the one picture requires you to change your viewpoint just a little bit, just this way. And you're like, oh. My wife did it yesterday, and I, turned, I took her head and did it, and she was like, they're both horses. I'm like, yeah. Right? It, it, exactly. Or, or both frogs. Exactly. So this can go back and forth, right? Back and forth. You just don't. You, one this, but when you focus on what it's supposed to be, you get the right image. 
You see, so many people miss Jesus in Scripture. The rich young ruler missed him. Nicodemus missed him. The disciples missed him a lot of times. They eventually found him. They eventually got it, but they missed him. Martha missed him, but I think she got it too later on. The Pharisees, Sadducees, big miss, swing and a miss. But why do these people tend to miss him? Let's think about it. Because they can't logic and figure out what. Nicodemus, what do you mean that I have to be born again? How is that possible? Pharisees, who does this guy think he is saying he's the son of God when we've been obedient to the Torah and we've been teaching this word that the God that God sent to us faithfully for this many years? Disciples, who is this man that the wind and the waves obey him? What? The people, now let's look at the people who found him. Mary, Paul, later Peter. Zacchaeus. What do, what do all of those people have in common that got who he was? I'll tell you one thing. It was forgiveness. He who is forgiven much loves much. Those people who found and did not misunderstand and got who he was are the people who come to him, sit at his feet, Cry and wipe their hand, wipe their his feet with their hair, because they're in so awe of the forgiveness and the overwhelming love that he's shown them. And all of us here claim to be forgiven. We are forgiven and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. But are our lives showing that we misunderstand him, or are our lives showing that, or are our lives showing that we sit at his feet every single day? Those people got it. Paul got it. And his life lived that way. Mary got it. Her life was lived that way. Peter got it. They figured it out. But it's not from anything that they did. They came to the realization that this man is the resurrection and the life. So my life will be served. I will serve him with everything that I have. Because I'm going to love people and love him as much as he loved me because I have been forgiven much. Raise your virtual hands if you've been forgiven much. Think about it. Just don't even go back to when you were born. Go back to last night. Go back to a week ago. Forgiven much. So your life should represent that Christ. Jesus doesn't have to be misunderstood when we look at him for what he came to do. When we start to put our, you know, our spin on who he is, it doesn't make sense. Jesus came for the kingdom. That's why he can wait two days when somebody's dying. Because he knew that the glory of God was going to be displayed in a way that just was going to be phenomenal later on. Jesus knew this. He was a person. He knew them. He loved them. It says so. Why was he able to go back? He let his flesh go and was about the father's business. And when we sink in with that, when we let go of our flesh, let go of whatever our expectations are and come and be about the kingdom and the father's business, our eyes will be aligned with Jesus Christ and we will be able to say, wow, I finally get it. I understand why you've called me to this. I understand it now why you've done this to me now, why this has happened in my life. And I want to fall to your feet. I want to run to your feet. Last night, again, I have a newborn. She yelled at us for two hours almost. I kid you not. We couldn't even eat. Haven't had to, she cooked. I'm holding, she's yelling, I eat, 
Heaven holds her, she's yelling. Heaven eats, I hold her, she's yelling. I mean, yelling. You know how babies cry. There's a cry and then there's a yell. It's two different things. Like the crying, it's like, oh, that's a little cute. No, this was like, uh, uh, like yelling at us. Like you guys, you don't know what you're doing with me. Kind of yell. And we've tried everything. She was full. Diaper was changed. What do we do? Right? So heaven's eating and I'm just holding her. And she doesn't like me holding her anyway because I'm too firm. She's always squirming around and she doesn't like it. But I'm holding her, which cradling, which I rarely get to do because she doesn't like it often. But she's already crying, so what the heck? I'm holding her this way. And I don't know anything else to do, so I start singing. I come on worship, and there's a song by House Fires called Coming Home, and it's about the prodigal son. So I start singing that song, louder than she's crying. And before we could get to the four-minute mark, she's not crying anymore. Now, I'm crying more than she is. I mean, drenching her in tears. Why am I crying? What is, I don't think that, I, trust me, I don't sing that well. It wasn't my golden pipes now. Why did I cry? It's because I find, this message hit me like a ton of bricks. I was able to see God is standing there saying, this is who I am to you. While you're kicking and screaming and crying, I'm holding, I'm rocking, I'm singing. I'm holding you, telling you to come home. It feels like, the song goes, it feels like coming home for the first time in a long time. My daughter doesn't know Christ yet, praying that she does one day. But I couldn't help but think that she heard something in them lyrics that calmed her down. But for me, it was, I was able to picture it. I was able to see that is Jesus. That's the one. You remember holding your child for the first time. And they're crying and they don't know what to do. And you're just holding them as tight as you can because you know that everything's going to be okay. And in my arms, you're safe. That is the person that you gave your life to when you said, I accept Christ. But now we kick and scream and jump out of his arms and run away. Come back and be held. Come back and be held by the Savior. Come back and be held by that peace. And she went to sleep in my arms. And I'm still crying. That is my Savior. So to her, I'm holding her tight. She's kicking like, if you don't let me go, I'm mad. And I'm like, that's okay. That's where the misunderstanding. We think that we're kicking and screaming and stretching and thinking that Jesus is doing this horrible thing by not allowing me to do this and that. But but he's the one that's going to call. He's the one that's going to give you the peace you need if you just sit there and rest. You just sit there and rest. Sit at his feet. And, re- and just be there with him in that moment. That is something I pray for is rest. And I'm not talking sleep. I'm talking rest in Christ as my Savior. I'm talking perfect peace. When you get there, I got a brief moment of it yesterday and it floored me. I pray for many more moments like that. I wish I could live my life in that. And I can because Christ has given me that. It's my choice, Really? But when I get to that peace, I'm able to see clearly who this God man, who this Emmanuel really, truly is. Don't miss him. Don't miss him because of whatever reason. I know you've been working. I know you've been doing everything right. I know you've been faithful. I know you've been praying. I know you've been reading, but just hold on, family. Don't come in with a reprimand. Don't come in with a, you just, I'm giving up. Praise harder. You see, Paul and Silas were in chains. When they praised, the chains fell off. The doors opened. A man was saved. If you're in that, if you're in there right now, 
Don't shake your fist at him. Run to him like Mary at the feet and plead with him. Lord, I really need you here. And he's going to say the same thing. You believe you're going to see God move today. You're going to see the glory of God. So, family, the last thing I'm going to say is if that's how it's been for you, if this has been a routine, if you have been a dutiful older sister who's just been taking care of everything, doing everything right, and you need a break, and it's causing you to look at Jesus a different way, I ask you to rest today. I ask you to surrender your hurt, surrender your confusion to the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace. And in doing so, I promise you that you will see him for exactly who he is. The one who served you, loves you, died for you, made a way for you so that you could be in perfect peace again with the Father and that union in heaven. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that you are perfect, that you hold us in perfect peace, Lord. If somebody is listening to this and they're feeling that burden, they feel like, man, I, this G, I love you. I, I've been doing this Christian thing for a while, but they've lost that zeal or they lost that I need to get to the feet of Jesus Christ or they lost that perfect peace. May you restore that today. May you bring about that same feeling they felt when they first uh, felt the spirit come upon their life, Lord. That just overwhelming emotion. May they remember what it was like to hold their firstborn child. But remember that they are the child and you're holding their hand. You're holding them, Lord. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are a good, good father. We are overwhelmed by your love. May your love continue to draw us nearer and nearer, closer and closer. May we just get to your feet every single day. And when we do that, Lord, I know that our eyes will be fixed on the right things. We will have that peace and be able to focus on you and nothing else, Lord. If somebody misunderstands who you are today, if, they've been, if you've been misunderstood, may, may that shift. May they see clearly through prayer, scripture, the body of Christ, who you are today. In Jesus' name, amen. What a message. What a word. Thank you, Chaudelier. Um, just the image of God holding us. And as much as we complain and kick and try and get away and fuss, and yet God stands like a father just holding a child. And his heart just breaks for us. And, you know, church, maybe it's time for some of us just to stop screaming. Stop fighting. Stop trying to get our way. And surrendering to Jesus and saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. I just, I think that that's just a, a wonderful message this morning. And if, if God has touched you this morning, and you want to talk with somebody or reach out to somebody, then please just you can connect with us. I know this is virtual. I wish we were here. We could kind of get together and, and talk. But if you need to talk to somebody, please reach out to Pastor Diane or myself. 
You can get us at, at hello at Bowie City Church. Both of us connect with that email or just Dion at Bowie City Church or Jason at BowieCityChurch.com and you'll be able to, to, to reach us. But please, if God is speaking this morning, don't, don't just let it slide away. Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. We are uh, come to that time of our service when normally if we're in church and actually in a couple of weeks we're going to have to figure out how to do this because we can't, pass a, we can't physically pass a plate between people. Um, but we're going to figure out how to do offering. And right now um, we can do offering virtually and we'll even do it in church. Maybe we'll just, everybody will just get their phone out and we'll just do offering together on our phones. But we have set up text messaging uh, offering for both Bowie City Church and First Christian Church. And so if you are uh, want to give to First Christian Church, then the number that you just need to text to, and text the word GIVE to 301-970-3646. And you'll get some instructions that will be texted back to you. Follow those instructions, and you can give, and that money will, will go to First Christian. If you want to give to Bowie City Church, then the number for you to text is 301-970-4565. And so you can just take a moment right now. You can just give your offering as part of our worship together. Um, and just through technology, we're able to do this, uh, which has just been fabulous. Um, we say every week that you don't give to a church, but you give through a church. And we take 30% of what's given uh, to us, at least in Bowie City Church, and we set it aside. And we give that away to local and to uh, international missionaries. And I also know that First Christian Church supports a number of international missionaries. So you're not giving to us. You're not giving to uh, any individuals here. But you're giving to the Lord so that he can then continue to build his kingdom uh, using some of your finances. So please, just uh, use those numbers, text those numbers, set up those accounts, whatever it is you need to do. And when we get together in church, you can actually then take your phone out, okay? And you can uh, use your phone in church and not get yelled at. Well, hopefully, maybe not. We'll, we'll see. Um, as I said at the beginning of this, this, this uh, gathering together today, we are not going to meet next week uh, in person. We're going to be online, okay? Um, we want to try something out next week just to, to, again, get us ready for the 28th, March 28th. We are going to be gathering here at uh, First Christian Church of Brock Hall um, for morning worship together. We are going to be socially distanced. Thank you to those who have... Who have uh, clicked on that form link in, the, in both YouTube and in, in Facebook. We put the link in for the form. Please let us know that you're coming. Let us know um, how many kids you have because we, we need to figure out that as well. Um, and what we're going to end up doing is literally looking at how many people we can sit in this room and allocating people into different rows and different seats. And so when you come on the 28th, we'll go, oh, okay, oh, the Craig family, okay, we have your seat ready. And you'll literally go to, to a part of the pew, one of the pews, and that's where you will, uh, will sit and enjoy the service. Um, we, can, we know it's restrictive. We know it's a little bit much, but we have to do that. We have to be able to do that um, in terms of some of the regulations that are, are, we're required to do, in terms of maintaining social distancing and all those things. Um, we also know that there are a number of you that are still uncomfortable with coming together, and we are going to continue to do this uh, online, as I say. So please don't... Don't feel that, that you have to come to church. Don't feel that, you know, if you don't come to church, you're not going to be able to engage in worship. We're still going to continue to do this um, as we begin to, to uh, gather together more and more frequently. Well, what a morning. We started off with microphone issues. We ended up getting those figured out. Um, but in the issues that we couldn't hear ourselves speak, I think God really spoke to us. I think God really challenged us this morning. And so we're going to close in a, a song of worship, um, just as a as our, our time just to not just, don't just switch off and go make coffee. Take this moment, okay, it's four minutes of worship, and just allow God to speak to you. Just allow God to continue to minister to you. The word that he already spoke out this morning. I want to pray for us. We're going to go into worship, and then we will see you. Uh, this week online, maybe at, at one of our uh, Bible studies or one of our gatherings. But if not, we'll see you back here uh, next Sunday morning at 10.15. So let's pray and then we'll worship. Father, just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you uh, for Chandelier, Lord, the word that you gave him. Lord, I thank you that, that you came this morning, God, and you spoke to us. 
Father, we don't want to misunderstand Jesus. We don't want to miss what Jesus has for us because of how we are viewing Jesus. So, Father, I pray that you would correct our vantage point. You would correct our viewpoint. The Lord, like, like Charlier said, when he had to take his wife and just tip her head a little to the side so that she could see more clearly. God, I pray that you would do that with us today. You would take us, Lord, and you would adjust our vision so that we can see you more clearly. Father, I pray, God, that you would give us the courage and the boldness to live on that new vision that you give us. So, Father, as we take these moments in worship, God, we just ask that you would just burn your word into our heart. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's worship. Oh, uh-huh.